You're listening to The Broken Meeple Show, a podcast that speaks passionately about board games for the benefit of those who play them. My name's Luke Hector, best known for The Broken Meeple YouTube channel, and I'm an everyday gamer just like you. And I'll be talking about reviews, top tens, and just about anything that connects me to board games. As long as I have a tea or coffee in hand, that is. So grab a cup, relax, and enjoy. And remember, it's only a game. Hi everybody, this is Luke Hector on the 8th of January 2023. It's a new year, so happy holidays to everybody. Well, happy new year, more exactly, to everybody who's listening. I mean, I don't go mad for new year changes. It's, you know, obviously it's a big thing for the channel because I try to revamp the show a little bit every year. That's kind of a seasonal thing. But for the most part at home, I mean, I just went home for Christmas and New Year. I did two trips back to Somerset. I made one short one for Christmas to be with the family. Then I came back so that I could play some games, do some blog stuff, you know, get prepared for 23, etc. And then went back for New Year's again when different family members were down. And as I say, we're not the sort that go, yay, it's New Year's, yay, whatever. We pretty much... Like, we pretty much ran into the new year watching my brother's wedding video. So, you know, that's kind of, you know, a bit more sentimental, but it was more reflecting on a, probably the biggest event of 2022 for our family. So that was kind of our transition. But yeah, I'm not the sort that goes out and gets drunk like crazy because at the end of the day, when you get to a certain point in adulthood, every year kind of feels the same, really. You go to work and you make money and you go try and fit in some time to do stuff you enjoy and you put up with life and. That's kind of what every year feels like, really. So it's kind of, you know, it, it doesn't grab me as much. And even Christmas, I mean, I'm not a Grinch, but, you know, the old Christmas commercialism thing, I don't really go for either. And most of our family doesn't buy presents for each other because at the end of the day, if there's something I want, I've probably already gone and got it. So what's the point? But it's just one of those things where at the end of the day, it's time off work and it's a time to spend with the family, get a, one of the best roast dinners I can get in a year and just have a bit of a laugh with them doing anything from crossword puzzles to playing a few board games and just chatting and watching some TV, you know, just nice light stuff in the country. So it's more a relaxation thing for me, but the whole, oh, it's Christmas, oh, it's New Year doesn't really grab me as much. But suffice to say, we're back. I'm back at work. Although I actually feel good about being back at work for now because I am a tax accountant and for the last 16 odd years, 18 odd years of my career, as I was starting out in accountancy and getting into tax, I was mostly in general practice, which meant I did companies, I did self-assessment individuals, and this is from a UK perspective, bear in mind, I know you've got different tax regimes, but the idea was, was that for ages, when it comes to January, you know, December and March is always busy for me because of companies, but in January, everybody at the last minute tries to get their returns filed by the 31st. It is a massive stressful workload heavy like deadline to meet it really is painful as a tax accountant well my new job that i started last year is corporate only i only do companies so december yes was a bit of a stressful time hence trying to get all the stuff in the videos was draining on me and i really needed the reset button but now i'm in january Companies don't do diddly squat in january and february frankly for that matter and all of a sudden i'm like i've got no personal tax to do I don't have to do any self-assessment class. And it's like, honestly, if I'm going to get hyper about anything, it's not the fact that it's 2023. It's the fact that I have the easiest January I've ever had in the last 15 plus years. That is saying something. So I feel the pain for everybody out there who has to do self-assessment returns for the 31st of Jan. I know exactly how painful that is. But I'm still going to have fun and, you know, have a drink on 31st of Jan. Just like, you know what? This was a lot better. I should do this more often. You know, it really was. It's kind of like that. But of course, the blog needs to do some updating as well. Although, to be fair, things have gone pretty good on that front. Let me, ugh, let me share the screen. Why have I not done that in advance? Here we go. So, with regards to the channel. Oh, God, I need to enlarge the screen as well. God, technical problems already, and I've only just started the year. But here we go. So the channel has basically got off to a good start. I made the top games of 2022, the last video I did last year. And it's nearly up to 18,000 views. That's pretty good going, actually, for a top 10 list. Although I expect the top 10 of the year to usually get to that level. 
be nice to get it past 20k let's see if we can do it but mainly i just like the fact that uh, only 17 people have a problem with my choices and 663 like it instead so i'm just glad that the entertainment percentage is uh like the like percentage is high and that there's a lot of people commenting on the video and letting me know their thoughts you know that's what i like to see but I've just done a review for Beer and Bread and Brazil Imperial. You can check out those two reviews. They're doing reasonably well, actually, for reviews. And you will have noticed a slight format change because there is definitely some changes I've made in my videos in general. So, uh, I know, like I say, I like to do updates and not everything on the show is changing. You know, there's just some aspects that I'm tweaking. The reviews are the, probably the biggest change I'm doing. Top 10s are actually probably about the same as they were before. I do the top 10, I stand in the other room, and I discuss it. So they aren't really going to change a great deal, apart from maybe a different use of uh, lower thirds and you know editing stuff. But the format's going to be pretty much the same. Although, I'm debating whether I have the top 10s where you find out what game I'm talking about as soon as the number comes up. Like, it comes up in a flashy like uh, little transition as to what my number 7 is and then I start talking about it, or do you prefer the setup I've got at the moment where I kind of give a little teaser and then eventually get to the game? I know there's a bit of a love and hate relationship with that, so I'd be interested to know some of your thoughts on that front before I do my next top 10, which will be, well, uh, the next top 10 I'll probably be done before you give me your comments on this, but the, the next one that I'll be doing is Top 10 Anticipated Games of 23. That is a thing. And then at some point, I will remember that I promised everybody I would do some two-player game lists. So yes, that is definitely going to happen. <laughs> it will happen at some point. Whether I do them myself or as collaborations, we shall see. Although my list of collaborators has kind of dried up a little bit at the moment for the foreseeable future but i'm um, hopefully i'll get some uh you know different names on or you know some familiar names from the past on a lot of people are busy and it's also a case of having to juggle time zones which doesn't help but also the idea of having making certain that there's good connections because and when i say connections i mean internet connections because it does destroy a stream if the audio and the visuals are painfully bad on the collaboration so it's like you know if i'm going to collaborate you do need to have a half decent uh, video and audio quality yeah i mean if you remember the last one i did with you know chairman of the board there were some issues where his internet was but thankfully not too much you know it just had a brief disconnect for a minute but if you remember the previous one I did with All Aboard Gamer, man, his microphone and his visual quality is top notch. And so that was a really good stream, as long as it was, three hours. But, you know, that's definitely on the forefront. But what I've done with the reviews is you will have noticed that they're broken up into segments now. So we've got the intro and the promo, if need be. We've got the background. Then it goes into that little overview that I used to do where you have the pictures scrolling on the screen and I give an overview of the game, except I've been condensing it down no more rules explanations. I'm done with doing rules explanations. They take up time. They're not fun. And they just elongate the video too much with information that you could find out from anything else like the rule book. So what the overview does is basically gives you a blurb about the game itself. What thematically are you doing? What mechanics are in the game as opposed to how they individually work? But, you know, at the end of the day, what are you doing in this game? And what are the main selling points? That means the overviews are nice and short. They're done and dusted out of the way. Then there's a new segment where I compare it to other games. People have asked me to do this, and I've been wanting to do it. I just never got around to it. But now it's a forefront for my main reviews where I talk about what games are similar to the game I'm reviewing. So that if you need to have some up, some more idea as to whether the game is for you, if I mention a game that's similar to it, you know maybe you like or dislike that one, it could help. And then I go into the pros, and then I go into the cons, and then I do the verdict. I keep the player scaling like I used to do, and then I wrap up the video. So the reviews are not the shortest in the world. You know, they're probably going to be 20 minutes a piece at least, you know, just by the fact that I'm putting in a lot of this information. But those first two, Beer and Bread in Brazil, were done in that format, and so far so good. So they do take a bit of extra time to edit, but I have a uh, defense against that because... Firstly, I'm only going to be doing so many of those, but also I want to try and catch up with other games in a different way than I was doing. I don't like doing compilations. Compilations are problematic. You can't put them on Board Game Geek. You can't share them individually because there's a mixture of games. So what I want to do is try and revisit the idea where I had small reviews 
for those games, and I mean small. Now, last time I tried to do express reviews. I do not want to call it express reviews or speed reviews because I just find them. I just find that title so dumb. But last time I tried to do express reviews, and it kind of backfired because yes, they were quicker reviews than doing the detail format that I used to do. But then they quickly evolved and became 20-minute videos, and they weren't particularly express. I still wanted to put all the cool video clips and stuff like that I do. So they stopped being express reviews at a point. I mean, that is basically my review format now. So I need to come up with an idea of doing those ones, and I mean super quick. And I think that basically, I don't know what name I'll call it yet. Well, I'll figure out a name, or if somebody puts a good one in the comments, I'll credit them for it. But what I'm basically I'm going to do is stick to my guns and really come up with a bare bones, quick review video. We're talking 10 minutes max, no promos, no you know massive long overview or background or anything like that. This is literally, here I am, quick background and overview to the game, and then get stuck in, pros and cons, quick verdict, done. You know, pretty much no video clips, no fancy lower third stuff. There'll be a few images, but mostly I think the images will just be a case of, well, I've got the game in front of me, therefore I will show you the components and that. You don't need to see massive tons of photos everywhere, although I'll put some up. But that, as well as some very easy music tracks, should enable me to do those reviews very quickly from an editing perspective. Because let's face it, there's a bunch of people out there, you know, small and big creators alike, who literally just switch on the camera, talk, and that's it. You know, well, if they can do it, why can't I? Now, obviously, I want my my big reviews to be detailed and have the clips and that because I'm proud of those and I like how they work. They look more, a bit more professional, but they also are a bit more of my unique selling point. But I do want to cover games and I know that I can't cover every single game in that format because I just don't have the physical editing time to do it. And I want to do more top tens. <laughs> I really want to do more top tens and other type of content as well as something I'll get onto in a minute. So I'll figure out some name, or if you've got some ideas, let me know in the comments. But yeah, this will literally be 10 minutes max, no editing gubbins, no fancy editing stuff, you know, just the music and, you know, intro and outro. But mostly it's just switch on the camera, either in the other room or at the table, probably at the table because I can have the components and laid out. And it's just me, talk quick about a game for 10 minutes. They're going to be small games. They're going to be games that are pretty simple, games that I think aren't going to have much of a buzz around them. So I can give my opinions, but I don't have to spend five plus hours editing the video or anything. So, for example, I'm overdue to do a review of Space Base, you know, the original one from John Declare. I don't think, I think I'm a bit late to the party to want to do a massive review of that. So I'm probably going to make that one of my quickies. But then there's other games that I've got down there that I might want to do a quickie one on, like, say, um, um, eh, Verdant, maybe. Oh, actually, a couple of these I'm going to mention. Probably not, well, I'll get onto those. But what I'm saying is that there's just some games where I feel like, look, I want to review this game, but I don't have time to do the massive review. Kickstarter previews are going to be a thing with this. Like, um, I've been given the new Arborea to do a preview for, for Alley Cat Games. And I can't do a five-hour editing saga for a preview Kickstarter video. So I think Kickstarter previews are going to be in this format as well. Ten minutes, talk about the game, pros and cons. Those ones won't even have a score out of ten because, you know, they're previews effectively. But they will be nice and quick. So I think this will help me to catch up with more games without burdening myself, you know, overburdening myself. So the ones that do get the full-on treatment will be the bigger games, the ones that have got more buzz, more hype, or just have too much to talk about. Ten minutes might not be enough to talk about a lot of games, but I can pretty much wrap up, you know, something like, you know, Space Space in ten minutes without too much trouble. Even Marvel United, I've got Marvel United down there, and I'm debating whether to do a full review of that or just make it one of the ten-minute ones, because I got a lot of, um, interesting things to say about that one, but I don't know if I need a full-fledged video to do it, but we'll see. I have to debate. But that's kind of the gist with that. As for the overhead views, I said I was going to do playthroughs at some point, solo playthroughs. It's coming. Eventually. I mean, I've had some good news from StreamYard, actually, because I thought, oh, I'm going to have to t learn how to use Streamlabs and get that done and, you know, learn how to use their custom layouts. I will have to do that from the start, but I've heard from StreamYard that in quarter one they are releasing custom layouts for this. 
for this platform because at the moment I'm kind of restricted on what I can do. I mean, this is, you know, I haven't got two people on the screen at the moment, but, you know, if I've got another window screen, I can do this, I can do this, and I can do this, and I can do that. That's basically it. And yeah, I know if you're listening, that doesn't really tell you much, but advice to say it just basically is you're going to have one picture too big and the other one too small. And if I do this with dual cameras, annoyingly, I can't get the setup where I have my camera as very small and the other camera, the overhead one, as covering the whole screen. There's background, there's dead space, and it doesn't work. When they put custom layouts on StreamYard, though, I'll be able to do that. Fantastic. I'll be able to use this software to do it and it will make life a lot easier. But for now, I'm going to have to look at Streamlabs and, you know, I think Paul uses Streamlabs, I'm not sure, and see about that. Because I have noticed you can do custom layouts on Streamlabs. Hopefully, that won't be too bad and hopefully not cost an arm and a leg to get. But equipment-wise, I'm getting there. The C stand downstairs, I spent some time over Christmas and recently ordering the various parts from Amazon. Again, thank you to the Patreons who help support the channel because it makes these sort of purchases possible. And I've got a couple of clamps on to those little things, like little uh, uh, weird boom arm things you know like smaller than this thing that I've got for my microphone but we're talking small ones that you can just tailor to your heart's content like miniature ones one of them holds the webcam and it can hold it directly over the table not a problem and another one has just been fitted because I had to get some special adapters for it but it's it's on there it's on its separate arm and it holds another microphone so I've got this microphone for the podcasts but I bought a new HyperX Quadcast S, I think it is. Uh, I think I got it in sale. It was about 70, 80 quid. And that one is now hanging from the C-stand. So the idea is, is that I can't use this microphone because it's too bulky and it's attached to this table for the podcast and that and the live streams. So I had to get another microphone and I'm hoping that that one, a USB condenser microphone hanging from the C-stand will be able to capture my audio and hopefully not capture everything else in the surrounding suburbia because that's what I'm concerned about with USB mics. They are a bit like that. But also I need to factor in the fact that the laptop needs to be as far away from this table as possible because or where I'm playing from because the fan noise on this thing is ridiculous and you know for a gaming laptop and so if I have the laptop too close to that USB mic it will pick up the fan noise like crazy so the idea is that if I can have the laptop with the camera faced on me a decent distance away then the game can be in front of me and the C stand will have everything else I mean this is a work in progress but I'm getting there I feel like the equipment is now ready the, you know, the C-stand is prepped and all that. I've got USB cables that should be able to go three meters across the room to where they need to go. It's just a case of sitting down and trying it out and getting used to StreamYap. So it's coming. It's coming, but still work in progress. But again, thank you to the Patreons who helped make it possible. And like I say, I want to do more of those, which means I had to condense the reviews down. So yeah, there's some plans for the channel, you know, in a good way. So still some reviews still top 10s try and get playthroughs put into the mix the podcast is still going to continue as far as i know for the foreseeable future because uh, you know plenty of you still listen to it apparently but uh you know i gotta be able to justify it so hopefully it's uh still drawing in the views because it doesn't get a ton on youtube but then i can't really easily tell how many people are listening to it on things like uh soundcloud or like you know podcast uh, apps and stuff so it's hard for me to gauge just how many people listen to it but you know it's cool to you know still do this it's just once every two weeks is about as frequent as it's physically able to do all right well enough about me rabbiting on about the blog per se let's talk about some games that i've played over the last couple of weeks in terms of new content so start off with verdant verdant flat out games and AEG. So people already know that I'm not the biggest fan of Calico. Calico was, I think, the first one they did. Had the cat on the cover that wasn't the Calico cat, which was kind of amusing. But I know it's a quilting term. But the that that one I just found too punishing because it's random what you get in the like the free tiles that come up. And if you've got multiple players, it's way too chaotic, and you're kind of just hoping your tile comes out. And if it doesn't, you're screwed. Not a fan. Now, Cascadia, I love. I gave it a 9 out of 10. I almost think, I mean, could I bump it to a 10? I don't know. There's not a lot of flaws I can think of with the game. It's just a case of, all right, I'll play it once and then I'm kind of good. But 
The solo mode's great in it. I played it again over Christmas with the family. I taught new people it. They loved it. So I think I'll be selling a few more of those copies. <laughs> you know, that's going to happen. But yeah, Cascadia is fantastic. Verdant is the third in this kind of series. And it definitely has some hallmarks from those games. There's definitely some... Whoop, come on, bring the picture back. And... Verdant is definitely, I think, the most complex out of the three because the rules themselves are not crazy complex. You're still effectively, you know, choosing cards from a conveyor belt of, you know, two separate little things. You've got to pick a pair of a token and a card. But the idea with this is that you're setting up this grid. I think it's like a five by three grid of plants and rooms the rooms are just generic color cards i mean i wish they would have actually put some different artwork on them than that i mean you got beth sobel to do all your fancy plant artwork couldn't you have not got beth to do some room artwork or something like that or get another artist in to do that i don't know i find these generic color cards a little bit meh you know not particularly great but what you're doing is you're trying to set up these trees and rooms in such a way that they key off each other bonus-wise and you can increase their verdant rating or whatever it is. I'm, I'm not a plant expert, so I don't quite know exactly how they work. But I'm trying to find just the... There's a lot of fancy photos on Board Game Geek, but they're mostly just showing off the game in front of plants. Look, I get they're pretty photos, but I need to see some of the gameplay, thanks. But here you go. You're, you're basically setting that up in a grid. So you will have a plant, room, plant, room, plant, room. They've got to be different. You can't have two identical cards next to each other. But the idea is, is that you score for this in a lot of different ways. If you can get enough verdant tokens on the plants, which involves you having to put the right uh, weather symbols next door to the plant, then you get points for that. But you also get points for having a set collection for the different room tokens. You get set collection for how many uh, different color rooms you have and how many different color, like how many different color plants you have. You get room bonuses if you can put the right color token on a particular room. You get Bon you get points for having the right plants surrounding a particular type of room and this doubles if you get the right token it's like oh my word there's a lot of ways this game scores now that's kind of its inherent issue the game itself is good i enjoy it and i've had good times playing it and solo is not too bad it's an all right little puzzle but i think the cascadia solo is better the problem with this one is that there's a lot of scoring in this. I mean, you're, you're trying to teach this to players who are relatively new to games, and it's going to throw them off as to how many ways there are to score. They're going to think, I'm putting this card down here. Is that a good idea? I got no idea because there's 10 different ways to score in this. And the use of these green tokens that can enable you to do other little combos as well, the nurture tokens, adds another level of complexity. So it... It makes this one also very abstract. I mean, and that's saying something compared to the others. It's not like Cascadia has the most, you know, immersive theme ever. But there's a bit more in that one than there is this. This one is very abstract. Putting different colors next to each other. And, you know, the, the type of plant is just for picture's sake. But, you know, the fact that I put this yellow cat token on this yellow room suddenly doubles the point bonus. It's like, yeah, this is pretty abstracted. But it's a tight puzzle and you're always making choices like, oh, is that worth it there? Do I leave that as a gap? You know, do I try and hope for the best that I can slot something nice in there? Has someone nicked it off me? You know, do I go for set collection? Do I go for the verdant ratings? Am I going to focus on one or two colors of rooms or diversify? Spoiler alert, I think it's better not to diversify, frankly, because I think the points you get for that is not worth it. But it's, you know, it's a neat game it does drag out a little i suppose with four players it's better with less i think i think two players is a sweet spot three players is decent four is maybe a bit much but it's still a decent game and it looks beautiful i mean best so bell again does the artwork and i mean you just look at this picture alone of all these different plants and i could have that on my wall and i'd be perfectly content i think the problem that verdant has is just how how much scoring there is it's quite a fiddly scoring phase and it's a little tricky to know exactly what you're doing that's doing well and the other problem is that i'm kind of comparing this a lot to cascadia because a lot of the the, the whole choosing mechanic is pretty much cascadia to a t and i'd rather play cascadia cascadia is easier to teach it's easier to um, easier to learn for the other player. It's quicker to play. It's easier to score up. Even though you've got the five different animals and the terrain, I still find it quicker. It's it's just maybe just that little bit too far for newer gamers and like 
Uh, well, it's still a light game, but I wouldn't throw this in front of a brand new player. Definitely not. Cascadia, you could do that. I don't think you can with this. This is fitting a bit of a weird niche where it's kind of the more gamery one of this set. And I don't know how many people are crying out for that particularly. I mean, if I've got the two in my collection, I'm going to be thinking, well, I could play Verdant, but then... I'd rather play Cascadia, and Cascadia is just too damn good, you know, to compare it to. So, I don't know if this is going to be a keeper for me, but I don't think the game is bad. I would kind of give it a 7 out of 10 at the moment, and this is the kind of game that I would do those 10-minute musing videos for, you know. This is why I don't think I don't think I need to do a full review of Verdant, but a 10-minute musing video on this could be an option. But, yeah, it's, it's good. I just don't think it's great. I don't think that this is a... A spectacular game. I think this is definitely the second best out of the three, though. I'm not a fan of Calico. So Calico would easily be my third favourite. This will be my second easily. And Cascadia is like light years above the two of them and easily my favourite of the three. But I'm into these games. They are nice. They're like, and let's say, Beth Sobel's artwork is just a joy to look at. I love this art. It looks beautiful. Wee, you're good looking. You're hot. <laughs> but it's just a, yeah, nice, pleasant game. Just maybe a little bit too fiddly for most settings that I'm going to get this out. I mean, anybody with AP in this is going to drive me up the wall. I can tell that. All right, Marvel United. This is probably going to get a bigger review, so I'm not going to dwell too much on this. But I bought the core set just to try it because I've seen so many times this has got ranked highly on various lists. And recently, the top 10 cooperative games list that Dice Tower did, all three of them had this high up. And I think Tom even had it as number one. And I'm like... Okay, hang on a minute. And then I rewatched their reviews, both the core set and the with everything included reviews. And they gave it like sevens and eights and then bolstered up to nines when they had everything included. And I'm like, hang on a minute. You know, I had to sort of go, is this game actually that good? Or is this just, oh, I love all the minis and that. But also because I really don't like cool mini or nots practice when it comes to games. I know it says spin master games down there. But it also says Cool Mini or Not, and Cool Mini or Not have produced this game. And you can tell they have because of the miniatures that are involved. This chibi-like look, which I'm fine with the chibi look. And I love Marvel. So I was at least keen to try it. But the value prospect is a worry because the amount of money people have spent on this Kickstarter. That's season one. That's season two. And then there's going to be another, what, season three, I think, coming out with multiverse and that. There's a ton of content for this game, way too much content in it needs. So I thought, okay, where's the value if I just wanted to come in casually? Just bought the core set. You get, what, like, I think seven heroes, three villains, about eight locations and such. And it's a very simple game. You basically just have a bunch of locations with various threats on them and the main villain. Your heroes are on the locations as well. You're moving around in this rondelle effectively. But... What you do is that you build a storyline of these action cards. You've got like a 12-card deck. It's very small. And well, we'll get onto all these uh, exclusive stuff a bit later. But I'll bet it's nightmare to find pictures. I think it's all just going to be painted models. So while I try to find something, I'll explain more. But the storyline is basically a row of cards. Villain takes a turn, puts out a card. And so you, after each in turn, will put down one of your cards and it will have symbols at the bottom to, de to designate moving or, you know, moving or fighting or whatever. But the idea is, is that when your, um, your players with you put down their card, they use the abilities on their card as well as the one that was played by the previous player. So there's a co-op aspect of tailoring that storyline row of cards to make it you know useful for what it is you need to do and the heroes have minor differences on how they work i mean they're not the core set ones don't feel crazy different but there is definitely some differences like one hero will have more of a certain icon and others likely uh, they've got three special cards that are literally their own and definitely like the hulk's one is different from iron man's for example the villains you know ultron taskmaster and red skull they definitely feel quite different in how they operate so there's a decent amount of variety in the core box alone, but the gameplay is going to feel pretty familiar from game to game. Yes, you will change aspects of the, like, you know, oh, this villain forces me to play a bit like this. But otherwise, it's kind of expected, like, all right, if I'm whatever I'm playing with, this is kind of how the game's going to go. And yeah, man, all these pictures on BGG are just showing off models. I don't care how fancy your painted model looks. 
you know, I want to see gameplay. That's what I want to see. Uh, what do we got? Uh, images. Let's have a look. Images. Gallery. Uh, category. Play. Here we go. Maybe that will show something. No images found. No images found with the keyword play. You are useless, board game geek, sometimes. But I'm just going to throw this picture up and leave it there. So I think it's pretty simple enough to get a picture of it. But so far, the game is fine. It's okay. It's not exactly the most entertaining game in the world. It's very light. It's very family-friendly. I mean, this is mainly for families. It's mass market, and certainly children can get into this easily. I don't see how they would have difficulty understanding most of this, but the parents might have to guide them a little bit. But it's very straightforward. It's very simple. You can teach this to gamers easily. As a gamer myself... I get some enjoyment out of it. I mean, I like the Marvel theme and the characters and villains do change up the game a bit. But it is very simplistic. And the game's also very swingy. You know, this can... You know, Red Skull, for example, he's meant to be the first villain you come across. And all he's doing is trying to get his fear track to 20. Pretty generic. I've played games where his fear track has barely increased and I've beaten him easily. But then I've also played games where in the first two turns his fear track is already at 11. You know, it's like, okay, he's already halfway to victory, and it's turn two. I can't possibly win this game. The swings of luck in this is pretty substantial. Now, the game is quick enough that you could just rinse repeat if that was the case, but it is a bit annoying that you are basically trusting a lot to luck as opposed to your tactical decisions. Quick little drink there. So, gameplay is fine, but what is doing my head in with this is that a lot of people are saying the core set's not good enough on its own you need to get the expansions well surely that's a fault with the game if the expansions are necessary to make this work you know i don't you know i'm i've got to review the core set on its own not the entire franchise and as you can see there's a bunch of stuff that's come out that's kickstarter exclusive yes you can get a bunch of expansions but there's a lot of kickstarter exclusive content here and this is what I hate about Cool Money or Not Kickstarters. They all love this exclusive thing. And apparently, some of the best expansion content, like the Sinister Six, was Kickstarter exclusive. Go figure. You know, they really want you to realize, look, you can get some of this stuff on retail, but honestly, if you want the best stuff, you need to come spend a ton of money on our overpriced Kickstarters and our massive delivery fees. I mean, after that last shabacle with the... Uh, was it Marvel United or Marvel Zombicide? I can't remember. But the one that generated a ton of shipping fees out of the blue. The fact that people from that still go back and bid on the next game. I don't know what's going through your heads, people. But that should instantly kill a publisher on, on Kickstarter who forces you to pay that kind of cash up front. I mean, come on. But people have got a lot of money, apparently. <laughs> Especially in the States. But... The game itself is okay, but, I mean, I may get one expansion. People have told me about the X-Men expansion. I might grab that, you know, I hate the idea of having to spend some of my own money on it because it's not a review copy. <laughs> yeah, cool, many or not, would never send me anything. That's <laughs> never going to happen. No way, especially with what I've just been saying now. But if I go to invest a bit of money in X-Men, then fine. I'll give it a shot. It will obviously add some cool characters and more villains and more locations, but that's just whatever. I mean, it's more variety. But in terms of new mechanics, as far as I can tell, X-Men just basically adds an all-versus-one team mode. Okay, great. Sounds interesting, but is that really the big change? Or do people just like the fact that the hero decks are a little bit more advanced in that one? I don't know. I'm not expecting... I can't see how playing the core set gives me one aspect, and then X-Men is suddenly going to make the game fantastic, like double my opinion of the game... And certainly I have no interest in spending hundreds and hundreds of pounds on all these expansions just trying to make the game a little better, okay? You know, th this game is... The core set is not too bad, although 35 quid's not the cheapest in the world, especially when you can get certain games like Forbidden Island and Forbidden Desert for a lot cheaper. But, you know, it, it's still a bit expensive. I mean, honestly, I don't need the miniatures. I could have happily had cardboard standees with artwork on them, and I'd have been totally fine, and you could have really made this mass market. But having the big miniatures just ups the price of this game like crazy. And they're not even... I mean, the miniatures look great, but Iron Man has already come off in two games. He's literally broken off his legs because he's got these two very flimsy little stalks that he's on as part of his pose, and it's just too bendy, it's too soft. So he's already broken off. I've had the super glue Iron Man back on. 
I mean, come on, this is supposed to be hundreds of pounds worth of quality miniatures here, and your, your Iron Man broke in two gameplays. And it's not like that I went like this. I don't manhandle the guy like crazy. No, this was just the fact that it was weak in the box. And when it came out, you if you push it too hard, it will bend off. It's just not the best quality, I don't think. So, it's hard to say what to do with this. I mean, I don't know if it justifies a full, massive review. But maybe it's worth doing a 10-minute musings video on it. But as I say, I think value is the problem. You know, it's it's hard to say. This is going to be a tough one. You know, I can see its potential. But is it worth the money for that potential? I don't think it is. You can get a lot of better games for a much cheaper price. But it does the job. It's easy to learn. It's good for families. I can see what it's for. Maybe it's just, you know, maybe I was just hoping for a bit more depth or a bit more value for money. But as I say, that's just the way it is. And what we got? War of the Ring. War of the Ring. Now, this one I don't think I can do a review for. Um, and there's a good reason why. The game itself, from the two plays I've had of it <laughs> in the time, is solid. I do enjoy it. I think it's a... Oh, it, I enjoy the game. It's basically... It's not like the War of the Ring board game. I mean, that is a massive hog, and I've already sold that one because it's too big. But this one basically has four players, where two players are on one side, two players on the other side, in terms of, like, good versus evil. And each one has half a deck of stuff. So one is Saruman, one is Mordor. One is uh, the dwarf slash uh, hobbits, and the other one is kind of like the elf slash Dunedain. And, it, and the idea with this is that you play through these different locations and battlegrounds and you play cards from your unique deck with special powers and strength and defense values and such and you're basically trying to control the locations. And, I, I, and by the end of the nine locations it's a case of who's got the most corruption or victory point tokens at that place depending on what side you're on. But it's one of those war of attrition style games it's done from the same person who did the quartermaster general series and if you know what those games are like they use this really cool concept of a deck of cards that has all this cool stuff on it but it's kind of like your lifeline of resources the more you play through the game that deck dwindles down and if you don't have decent stuff to cope in the late game you might have overcommitted yourself in the early game and it's going to cause problems i love it i think it works great in quartermaster general and it works just as well here the artwork is decent enough, the card quality is fine, the rules aren't too complicated but they are a little bit of a chore to get through at first. The main problem is that obviously you need to have some familiarity with your deck. And here's where the problem with this game lies. It's, it's, a, it's something that some people are going to have so much time for and so much fun with. But the problem is you can play this two player with using the whole of one side versus the whole of another side. That works fine, but I don't get two-player games to the table often. So you then have a three-player version where one person has the entirety of one side and the other two have two of the split. It works okay, but I'm not. I tried it and I wasn't quite as fan of that one. I don't think the three-player is as good, you know, as the four-player. And the four-player is the way you really want to play this game. You want four people, two on each team, playing this game all the way through. It's not a short game. This game's going to take you a couple of hours at least to get through. You know, it's a pretty lengthy affair. But it is fun. I enjoy the card play. I love the decisions you make about whether you're going to play this card or save it for later, or overcommit, undercommit, which battles you're going to win, which ones you're going to lose. It's a really fun game. But it's one I'm just never going to get to play because you need to have some familiarity with the decks. And if you do have familiarity with the decks, you have an advantage over everybody else because you know what can, they can throw back at you. So this is a game that rewards the same group playing it. The same four people getting together and playing this game multiple times. I'm never going to have the same four people play this multiple times in, in rapid succession. You know, I, I might have a group that enjoy it and they would want to play it every now and again. But it might be months before they play this particular game because we play a lot of games. I can't take it to game night and just play it with randos. It's not going to happen because I'm going to have a massive advantage over other people by the time I've played it loads. And it's going to be too complex for a lot of people. This is definitely a hobbyist game, not a casual gamer or anything like that. So there's a lot of people I wouldn't throw this in front of. But 
again, you're going to have a lot of AP, you're going to have a lot of downtime while people are trying to figure out how their cards work and get used to it. They won't understand the idea that in, in the late game they need to worry about whether they undercommitted or not, especially not in their first game they play. It's just going to go right over their heads and so it's going to cause some little balance issues. Now, again, the game itself is good. If you get that group, if you have that group, I reckon this will be a really good card game for you if you're into this type of thing. But for me, though, I just can't see myself playing this often enough. Even if I could get, say, another five plays of the game and do a full review on it, it's going to take a lot of effort to do that. And it's a bit of a niche game. It's not got the popularity I thought it was. I mean, people have praised it, but it's not like this game is talked about a lot. I mean, bordering the card game, what have we got here? Rank... 3,864. I mean, it hasn't exactly come out with a lot of buzz, and you know, you know not many people have reviewed it. I mean, board game gambling, board game gamblings, <laughs> board game ramblings have done a review on it. So, but then they've got the advantage of the fact that they play everything two player exclusively and have two people that they can call on at beck and call to basically play any four player game they want often. So, if they like the two-player mode in this, then they can play this game to their heart's content. Great. Good for them. And I can see why it's an enjoyable game. You know, spoiler alert, they like it a lot. But I just, I'm not going to have the setup for this. I need the same four people to play this regularly. One particular group could play it, but I don't know if they would all enjoy this type of thing. But then another group of four people that I see every now and again, I've got to play casual games with. There is no way that they are going to be able to manage this game. It will be just too much for them. So when am I going to play it? And there's no solo mode in the game. So I can't play this against an automated opponent. So that's out of the window. So I bought the game at Essen and I'm like, oh, that was a bit of a regrettable purchasing decision. I mean, the games are fun, but it's just... It's a niche game. I don't think this is going to get massive buzz. I think it's just going to be too... As I say, I use the word niche. I think it's just going to be too niche a setup for a lot of people. So, you know, the game's good. I do like it. But I don't think I'm going to do a full review on it. I think it's just one that I'm going to say, look, it's good. If you've got the setup for it, you'll enjoy it. But if you haven't, stay away. Because it's not worth it if you don't have the setup for it. Okay, uh, but Deal with the Devil was a similar deal with that, you know, decent enough game, although I'd much prefer this one to Deal with the Devil, but again, niche, setup, not for everybody. Right, let's uh, have a little swig of drink. And I just want to do a quick little discussion on a Facebook topic that I brought up recently. I did a review for Brazil Imperial recently, and... I had mixed feelings on it, all right? So, you know, I don't hate it, I don't love it, it's kind of in the middle. But one thing that I bring up is I use the title 3x Euro 2.5x even, and I bring up the whole idea that this was trying to be a 4x game, and I don't think it did. Now, the idea of 4x is a term used in board gaming, which uh, basically is four words beginning with E, or EX basically, and they describe four things that you tend to get in most civilization games. So let me bring up uh, Brazil a second. Brazil Imperial. So I think this is coming out from Portal Games soon, but it's a Brazilian designer in that more. And like I said, I gave it a 6 out of 10. I don't think it's amazing, but I don't think it's bad either. But this one, uh, I wonder if they've got them listed here. Nope. They, oh yeah, here we go. So four words. Explore, expand, exploit, exterminate these are four aspects of you know a euro game or a civilization game where it tries to do all four of those things so expand you want to develop your city or civilization across a map or across time or whatever and you build up more stuff cool exploit you grab resources the map might have resources that you go and harvest or you might grab new technologies that allow you to get more resources another way but that's basically the resource management and money management side of things then you've got exterminate do i really need to explain what that is you go and fight other people okay you go and conquer lands and such and then you've got exploration where you go find new stuff and you discover hidden treasures and stuff now i brought up the question when i posted this to facebook because Forex is a very difficult thing to do all four of them. A lot of games will try and hype the praise up by going, we are the Forex game, we got it right. Um, 
Did you? I'm not entirely sure, because a lot of games get it to three X's, in my opinion, or sometimes only two. You know, to get all four is very difficult, and some of that comes with the limitation of board games in general, because board games are a very abstracted, like, medium for a civilization or a four X style setting, and so you can do it a lot easier in a computer game. When you play something like Civilization or one of those type of 4X games on the computer, it's easier to get some of those aspects down. I mean, Expand and Exploit is easy. If your Euro game is not doing Expand and Exploit in a 4X game, then you've really done something wrong here. But they're easy. Exterminate is usually relatively easy. You have a means of combating other opponents. Exploration is the difficult one to get right. Now, a computer game can do it a lot better because computer games can use fog of war effects you know where you have no idea what's around you know in civilization civ 6 or whatever which are, pick your poison i think civ 5 with the expansions better but civ 6 is still half decent but the idea is is that you start off in like your single hex with a bunch of people you have no idea what's around you you literally can see as far as your eye can see and that's about it you have to go physically explore the land and you don't know whether there's going to be the next sieve there you don't know if the next uh, like you know natural wonder is there or like a collection of, you know you, you walk to the left and you go oh there's the sea and there's some fish resources and a couple of seashell resources oh great i could set up a port here later and make this a nice little trade route great and then i walk in this direction and it's like ah volcano that could be problematic in the late game you know <laughs> so there's this stuff like that that a computer game does brilliantly try to put that to a board game however and you tend to fail like uh, empires of the void here you know let's try and do that as a 4x game okay you do expand sort of you expand your control over the various planets exploit you exploit the the inhabitants of those planets and the uh, technologies and new buildings that you make for more resources so that's sort of in there exterminate that's definitely in there you can fight the indigenous life forms or occasionally other players but you don't really explore much in that one the game is already laid out the planets are where you think they are there's just some story aspects with some of the planets that's not quite the same as exploration but then if I look at the Civilization games down there, I've got both the uh, 2010 Civilization game as well as A New Dawn. Now, I've talked praise about both of those in the past, but if I could learn how to spell Civilization correctly, that would probably help. So, here we go. Sid Meier's Civilization, a board game, and A New Dawn. Let's have a look at these. So, bring the screen back. No, don't want uh, Marvel United Captain America, all that. So, here we go. So... Sid Meier's Civilization, the 2010 version. I still give it an 8 out of 10. I think it's a bit overcomplicated, but I still think it's a really fun game. Especially when you throw the two expansions and get the two expansions, particularly the Warfare one, Wisdom and Warfare, and this game really shines. Now, of course, you start off on... This one actually gets 4Xs done quite well, actually, because you can go and conquer your opponent's capital because at the end of the day, that's one of the win conditions. But then you also have to expand. You have to expand across the land. You have to exploit the resources of said land. You have to gain technologies, etc. But you also do sort of explore because if you look at this particular picture, you start off on the corners or wherever it is you start in there, and then all the tiles are face down. So you don't know what the land looks like and what it has on it. Now, some people can argue that exploration is not quite really exploration when it's just a case of flipping a tile over and seeing what's there. There is some truth to that. Again, you have to take a little bit of leniency with this because you can only do so much with a, you know, an abstracted medium of presenting this. But this does represent 4X quite well, because I am curious as to what is on those tiles, and I want to see what it is, and see what my setup is, and if I'm interested in seeing what's on that tile, that's doing it right. Now, if you port this over to Civilization and New Dawn, however, New Dawn didn't quite work in that respect at first. Um, that's not the best picture, because that's too zoomed out. Let's see if I can find a better one. Uh, come on, I'm sure we can find it. That's nah, not bad. Oh, hang on, that was a pretty good one. Yeah, alright, let's take a look at that picture. So, this is the base game of Civ A New Dawn, and as you can see, the map is, again, fully laid out. And this is a problem, because once you have a fully laid out map, you're not really exploring anything. Now, some games, like Twilight Imperium and Brazil Imperial, that I mentioned before, also have their maps laid out, and you have to 
flip little tokens on certain hexes and they give you a bonus of some description. That is not expiration. I hate that mechanic because in Brazil Imperial, the tokens are not balanced at all. Check out my review for the rant on that. But Twilight Imperium, I mean, that's the same thing. If you get a pirate that kills one of your ships, that really cripples you in the early game compared to somebody who got free resources based on blind luck. I hate that mechanic. It doesn't work. Now, you know, with this one, Sivanu Dawn, the expansion, Terror Incognita or whatever it was called, uh, Terror Incognita, was that right? Yep, here we go is one of the most essential expansions you can get because this one really elevates the game. But one aspect that this one does, as well as give you a bit more variety and some development stuff, is that this map that you see is not fully laid out at the start. It's one that you build up. So you build, you start on your tile, but then you have to go to the edge of the map and expand it out. That suddenly gives it a more of an exploratory feel and it improves the game on top of all the other things it does it revamps caravans and how combat works and stuff like that but it really does elevate this to a really cool civ game i really do like this one but uh you know some people have mentioned on the facebook group some other games that fall into it i mean i hate to have to talk about this game because i hate it but eclipse fine let's talk about eclipse i only gave it a four let's change that to a three and I do not like this game. Um, but Eclipse, uh, you know, this one kind of, I guess, does actually fit. Oh, you can't see the fact that I changed the rating. Picture it didn't happen. But Eclipse, yeah, I, I don't like this game. It's, it's, I find it boring. I find it too long for what it is. And I hate the idea that rather than feeling like I'm exploring a galaxy full of wonders, I'm balancing my checkbook. This is not a game that I like, and it looks like a dog's dinner. I don't care which of the two versions you have. The second edition doesn't look much better. The first edition looks like garbage. And, you know, I'm exploring, to, I'm exploring what? These black speckly hexes with little icons on them? Doesn't really feel like exploration to a great deal of fun to me. But, gotta admit, you do expand across the galaxy. You do exploit planets for resources. You technically don't see the map at the start, so you are flipping over tiles, and you do gladly exterminate other players, and you spend about six hours doing this, and it bores me the hell out of me. Yeah, I don't like this game. But the, you know, why do you get technologies random? That, that is so dumb. It's so stupid. Uh, right. <laughs> Focus, Luke. Focus. Focus on the task at hand. But, gotta admit, it does do the 4X, like, it does the 4Xs. So, this one qualifies. There's another game that people mentioned a lot. I have barely heard of this one, but a lot of people mentioned a game called March of the Ants. And if you know much about this game, I would like to know in the comments, because 1900, it's not the most highly ranked game ever. It was done by Tim Eisner, who did, oh no, sorry, the artist, oh no, designer is Tim Eisner as well. Oh, so this is Weird City Games. Oh, interesting. This is the same bloke who did uh, Canopy, um, a two-player game that I did recently, which I really liked. So, well, this has already perked up my interest, but this one, apparently, more people talked about this game than any other on that Facebook thread for 4Xs, even Eclipse. And I know nothing about this game. I mean, you know, it's, it's co-designed, Tim Eisner and Ryan Swisher, apparently. But March of the Ants, can't say I like the cover that much, but you've got some different events and some very creepy looking ant pictures. Uh, evolution, so you can, you know, you know, develop your ant colony. But what's the mechanics of the game then? So let's go back to the title page on that one. So here we go. Uh, that's the foreword. So in March of the Ants, you create the shared meadow board by sending your ants to explore it, revealing and strategically placing two dozen unique tiles like fern, pebble, and nest of centipedes. Uh, populate new territory by breeding larvae and marching your ants into collection sites. Uh, will you engage competing colonies in battle, seeking to claim the land for yourself, or will you establish peaceful symbiotic relationships and share the spoils? All of this must be done while carefully managing the resources in your nest. Hmm... This game actually sounds like fun. I'd like to try this game. Uh, 70 minutes doesn't sound like it's too long. I'm going to assume two hours. Wait two and a half. One to five players. I'm going to assume five players sucks. So best three to four it does say. 2015. I don't know if you can get hold of this game anymore. Who's reviewed this? Uh, well, Tom Bassel reviewed it eight years ago. I might give it a look. But uh, hmm, this is certainly looking promising. And let's have a look. I mean... 
So you have got the different tiles. I think the artwork could be improved. It's not a particularly good looker, unless that's a prototype. But, you know, this definitely has the feeling of a 4X. I mean, based on that description alone, it certainly qualifies. And I'm sure everybody's right. I've never played this game, so I don't know if it's any good. But it does sound interesting. I feel like I want to give this one a try. If somebody at a convention has this game and wants to show me it, I would gladly give this one a look. Because it's something a little different. It's kind of giving me a bit of a, a dominant species thematic vibe here. Except you're dealing with the same ant colony and you don't have that same worker placement mechanic in it. But it sounds quite cool. Yeah, kind of like a mix of dominant species with evolution. You know, with the whole evolving your cards. This whole aspect of whether I go attack other ants or symbiotically share the spoils. That I'm interested in as well. Because that does sound pretty cool. Uh, strange I haven't really heard about this game much i mean let me have a look uk board game prices this is typically how i search for stuff so march of the ants march of the ants okay march of the ants can you get hold of this game anymore no <laughs> you can get a 126 pound one in germany but no 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 everything's sold out this is clearly an out of print game so i doubt i'll ever see a copy of this but march of the ants zatu yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a really old listing out of stock. But I'd be interested to see this one. Somebody show me this at a convention. I'd like to get uh, take a look. But clearly, it does seem to do the 4X thing quite well. You know, definitely a lot of people mentioned it. So clearly, I think they're in the right there. So yeah, I mean, 4X is, is a fun aspect. I mean, if anything, what's my favorite of the four? Probably Exploration is my favorite because I like that thing of, ooh, what's on the other side of this? It's When I play the video games that use this, it's my favorite part. Exploring and going, ooh, there's something new. If anything, I get dwindling returns once I've explored everything. I'm like, there's nothing new to explore now. Now I'm just doing the expand and exploit bit. But I like the expand and exploit stuff of a civilization game, a proper Civ game. So we're talking the Civ games I mentioned before. Not Eclipse, <laughs> you know, so, you know, that aspect. But a lot of these games fail on certain parts. I mean, Brazil Imperial has a really bad exploration feature to it, so I don't even class that as an X. Even the combat in Brazil Imperial is not particularly interesting and doesn't happen that often, so that's why I say two and a half, because it feels like it does expand, expand fine, exploit fine, combat slightly, and fails in exploration. But a lot of these games fail on expiration like you know, I mentioned Civ A New Dawn originally fails on expiration so it was only a 3x game now it's properly a 4x game because it fixes that aspect to a point I mean there are better expiration examples but it's still a decent boost you know I mean the 2010 version probably does a better better version of it although I guess it's on par because it is effectively flipping location tiles it's hard to see but you know expiration is really tricky to do you know i mean watch a there was a dice tower top 10 they did ages ago as sam healy was on the show it was top 10 exploration games and you can tell how hard it is to get exploration right in a board game when you watch that and realize wow that's uh scraping the barrel a bit on what's classed as exploration but it's because exploration is really tricky to do in board games it's an abstracted medium and so you you have limitations in this that you can't replicate from a video game video games will always have exploration is probably their best aspect and then the other x's would follow afterwards whereas the board game kind of has to flip it on its head and do the expand and exploit better in a board game version and then do the combat and the exploration as a latter thought but yeah, interesting thought. You know, get your comments down below and let us know what your favorite 4Xs are. And they have to achieve all 4Xs. I'm not having any 3Xs here. You know, you've got to get all four right. And if you know much more about March of the Ants, by all means, get some comments down below on that. Because I'd certainly like to try that from what I saw from there. Especially as Tim Eisner did Canopy and I thought Canopy was a great little game. So I'm curious to see if this one is as enjoyable. But yeah. Definitely one to check out, I think, if I ever see it. If I see it on a Brin and Buy, I'll try and buy it as well, just to try it. But uh, if it's as rare or as popular as people say, I don't think it's the one I'm likely to see on a Brin and Buy anytime soon. But we shall see. Anyway, that's it. I need to wrap up this podcast to savor my itty-bitty throat, but also because we're getting up to the hour mark. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope the stuff that I'm planning for the show in 2023 is to your liking. Of course, 
you know, top 10 2023 games will be coming at some point this month. But also the next thing that I've got recorded, I recorded it before I did this podcast, was the review of Frostpunk. Yes, remember that one that I put on my uh, recent top 10? The full review, both pros and cons, because it's not a perfect game, you know, will be coming soon. I've already recorded it. It now just needs editing, and then it will go up as the next big review. This is a proper big review. So I look forward to getting that one out. And uh, certainly, uh, I mean, the game is lit. There's a giant wasteland or box or whatever it's called here the big blue one that you got on the kickstarter it takes up a good third of my table space it's that big it's quite huge but yeah i've had frostpunk on the table for the last couple of days i've now just packed it away so i could do this podcast and play other games but yeah i've done a lot and now done the review so i hope you look forward to that so that's it for me on this episode of the broken meeple if you like what you see please remember thumb us up on youtube also thumb it up Actually, this it won't go on Board Game Geek. What am I talking about? Thumb it up on YouTube. But most of all, get your comments down below. Let me know your thoughts, particularly if you've got some cool names for the uh, miniature review segment that I need to do. You know, that'd be good. It'd be appreciated. And uh, yeah, you know, hope you'll check out more of the content in 23. Thanks for being, you know, vivid supporters of the show during 22. Here's to 20,000 subscribers. It might be a month and a half, a month or two before I reach 20,000 because I've still got to get to... Uh, 19 where am i at the moment um i am currently at 18,964 so it won't be long before i hit 19,000 but it's probably going to be at least a couple of months before i hit 20k but as i say <laughs> we can dream let's try and hit that milestone but thank you to the patrons who help make this channel possible thank you to everybody who views and leaves good comments either on here or on board game geek or at conventions who say hi you know just Generally, thank you all, and here's to a happier 2023. Take care, and remember, as always, it's only a game. Bye for now, everybody.